Of course, before that, Sharjah already had a number of museums. But uh, when they decided to establish a sort of dedicated authority, the idea was that uh, Sharjah obviously had plans to increase that number um, and wanted to build new museums. They wanted to um, institute best practice in those current the museums that were currently available at the time. And that uh, they also wanted to be very... Um, put a lot of focus, let's say, or uh, concentrate on the issue of having a lack of UAE nationals working in the cultural sector in general. So in a way, those were our three mandates, which were, um, so have a look at what we've got right now on the ground. How can we improve that? And how can we make sure that they're unified in terms of best practice um, as in uh, in global terms? You know, what are what makes the best museums um, around the world the best. And then the second was to say, you know, what are some ideas for new museums that we, we might want to have in our sort of portfolio, things that we feel are uh, needs that would be great for the society, for our community, um, in terms of collections and in terms of programs and everything else that we would love to offer in particular niche areas. Um, and then the third, as I mentioned, was to make sure that we could hire a lot of UAE nationals and train them on the job. Because, of course, this particular um, area of work, museum studies, and, um, and any sort of related um, degrees were not very common at the time. In 2006 in particular, there were no museum degrees offered at that time in the UAE. And so it was really important to see how we could bridge that gap that we found. Um, in terms of um, skills set and things like that. So once we started, um, we looked at what we had and we started to institute new policies, procedures and guidelines for the museums to operate at a better standard than they were at the time. And uh, we wanted to have more consistent programming. We wanted to have um, a better way to engage with the community, whether that's using marketing and social media and things like that. Um, we also wanted to see how we could get um, um, people people from the community to come to our programs. I mean, when we initially started back then, we just we wouldn't have anybody come to our um, family or um, children's um, sort of workshops. And that was because uh, people didn't know about us at the time, really. They also knew that we were like, uh, at the time, that if they had come to something in the past, then there was nothing offered for months afterwards. So people just realized that, oh, this is not consistent. And they uh, lost interest and wouldn't repeat and come back. So for us, it was this, we had to find a way to make sure we had consistent, continual weekly programs and that they also catered to the needs of the different people we had. And a lot of them at the time also were sort of like very specific, like this is a children's program only for children. And it's like, it doesn't make sense anymore. I think families should be with their children learning at the same time. And that makes for a better... Uh, I think, learning outcome. So we instituted the whole sort of family programming. So that's what we have now for uh, six and plus years, uh, six plus uh, age group. We have um, programs for communities, which we are considered sort of late, later teens, 17 plus, um, that age demographic and their families. And then we have... Um, a demographic for uh, people with different disabilities so that also covers and they come with their family as well so it's been really wonderful to see that happen and of course the museums uh, cover such a range of different topics so we're able to really have great kinds of programming that um, 
uh, feed into our collections that cover archaeology, science, art, Islamic art and history, heritage, maritime heritage, uh, children's learning, calligraphy, and, and other and other things. But that's generally the the makeup. So it's been really exciting to see us really get to all those um, points that I mentioned and doing really well after 10 plus years to, to make those things happen. Initially, I was a studio art and communications um, major as a, in a bachelor's degree. And then later on, um, about a year after, I went into grad school and I knew I wanted to, to pursue museum studies. I had such a great, inf uh, for me, uh, I had such a great experience in museums as a young child. And then having um, studied art, I, I loved my, I loved doing art, but I, at that time, definitely I lacked the confidence to think that I could ever be a successful artist. And that's not always what path people take anyway, studying art. And I just said, I don't think that's for me, but I think I want to work in an environment where I'm, I'm around artists, I'm around that creative type of um, environment. And I think, yeah, maybe being a curator or being a researcher in a, um, you know, in a particular uh, section of a museum, uh, a department, they call them, sorry, the museum, that would have been, like, ideal for me. Um, but, yeah, life took a different turn. So once I graduated, I came back uh, to to the UAE, and um, it was just, really, it is it is a, a serendipity, is that what they call it, when you just kind of get here and um, you didn't have any plan in mind or anything like that, but just life connects you to a person who connects you to another person and then all of a sudden it was like we have this idea for a new office we don't know what's going to happen uh we don't know how people are going to be employed it's just an idea we, you you know it's pretty unknown would you go for it and the person i am apparently personality type is adventurer type so i'm not uh i'm not afraid of not knowing what i'm doing i just go for it and i said sure i'll do it and um, and then within two years, we were a, a full-fledged department. And literally, I think between 2006 and 2008, we hired 200 people. Like it was a massive um, increase and expansion of the of the um, at the time it was called a department. We're now an authority, but we we grew we grew immensely. And of course, with projects and everything else, we had to get in a lot of new people. But um, but my job now entails a lot more administration and strategic planning and project management and stuff like that. Not too. I mean, there's creativity in some of that, though some of those aspects, but not what I had imagined before. But I'm very lucky that I still get to do kind of all of that. And so even the other day, I went um, to the art museum to see the to see the art an artist that we're having a show up in September and later in September. And he. For me, that was just a joy to walk around the rooms and um, see what he was thinking about how he wanted to place his works. And, and I was giving feedback, like, I think maybe that would look better there. And um, this you have to be careful about. It's a bit of a dangerous installation. How can we move around that? Um, I think this will have a better impact. It's just being able to give some advice. Whether they take it or not is, of course, up to them. But I just like to see that. I love to meet the artists, too. Um, they're always so interesting in how they, you know, work and think, and um, especially if I admire their work a lot. So I get to do that, which is great. And um, so it's a, I try to find a better balance now than I used to.
Well, definitely, I would always start, of course, with His Highness Dr. Sheikh Sultan Mohammed Al Qasimi. He is definitely our absolute patron. Um, I mean, he is a patron in all all um, ways that you would understand the word or it sh- uh, as it's defined correctly. I mean, he's someone who's been dedicated his life to um, research and collection of material, whether they're documents or objects, etc., all for the betterment of their community that he that he will um, gift or and display these items. To towards uh, or to sorry in the museums and I think he really believes um, he's well strongly in education um, passionate about uh, people seeking knowledge and learning from that um, and that that it makes them a better person it makes them uh, more whole as a person it gives them um, a better feeling of uh, acceptance towards others tolerance appreciation of diversity and you know, all of that so I mean it goes on and on what he does but I mean he's he's been very articulate about uh, why he thinks having museums and collections like this are important for children and families um, of course if you can imagine I mean he started establishing these back in um, over 25 years ago uh, probably our oldest museum is so that's a long history of um, ensuring that where sometimes a lot of these things were not available in school at least there was a, a somewhere else that kids could go to to learn about particular topics that at that time were not being taught in school particularly art for example so um, and Arab artists were not known to a lot of people but the art museum spent years um, becoming this platform and incubator for artists who wanted to come and show their work and um, learn um, how to how to um, become better artists, really. And that's why the Emirates Fine Arts Society was so key to that. And that organization um, that was established in the 80s was is an iconic um, establishment till today because of all the great artists, including uh, one of our greatest, uh, Hassan Sharif, the late Hassan Sharif. You know, he that's where, where his base was. He worked from there and he uh, mentored other artists and it was a wonderful place, and it's literally um, a ten-step walk from there to the art museum. So, the art museum has a very important uh, role in that, and I think that's uh, key um, in that development. And His Highness is a patron because he built those museums. He provided uh, the almost all the collections that we have at the moment, and I think that's wonderful that he's been able to support us that way. Um, another, of course. Um, a group of people who help are the community over time as we've been able to you know establish the museums and have gained credibility and legitimacy in what we do and that we know what we're doing more people feel comfortable gifting the museum uh, different items so we've been gifted um, sometimes Islamic material material um, from um, different parts of um, the Islamic world whether they're uh, metalwork or paintings um, etc um, and then also um, a lot of families here having seen the work that we've done, the excellent, I think, work we've done in um, re-interpreting um, um, heritage houses here in Charja. Those families who used to own those houses or be part, you know, were lived in those houses have come back and said, you've done a great job with the museum. It looks beautiful. Things look like they'll be safe here. So I think I'd like to give you my grandfather's 
you know, um, uh, for example, watch or um, a box, uh, a chest that we used to have in our house that's over 100 years old, or this was my mother's photograph of this or that. So these are really wonderful things that we can include in the museum. Um, and so that's really wonderful to have people who gift, for sure. Um, and then we have other patrons like Sultan Saud al-Qasimi, who recently um, uh, we were able to come to an agreement where we would ho um, host and um, have uh, a five-year agreement to um, display works from his collection. And basically, we're, we're really displaying 100, 100 plus works that are the masterpieces of his collection. I mean, to be honest, you, you, there aren't really any that aren't. I mean, he's been very good at, at um, buying and choosing the best that's been out there, um, which is amazing. He's been very disciplined not to kind of go left and right and be like, oh, well, I kind of like this and I'll take that or whatever. He's been really quite, uh, I think, very intelligent in the way that he has uh, chosen the works that he has to make sure that he is really getting the best um, selection and uh, you know sort of cross section of various Arab artists and the works that they've done, and um, having this um, collaboration with them has been wonderful because his collection is so great I think and it's traveled the world um, again on his own expense which is for me again that's what a patron does and um, and and all of that was for education especially even the locations he chose. There were those that were really uh, academically, or heavy in the academics and the scholarship and all of that, so including the book that he published and everything else. What we've tried to do um, over the last, I would say, 10 years is really look at best practice in education around the world, um, but, and, but also develop our own understanding of what our community needs because it's very easy to look at I mean you can just google online and see all kinds of programs and say okay we'll do that one but it doesn't work like that uh, so many things that you find um, other museums doing are, are absolutely of no interest to the communities we have here um, or don't make sense for whatever reason so all our um, programs are uh, bespoke they're all tailored um, for either what people have suggested they would like us to do or again what we have made sure is tied very directly to um, the collections that we have um, and by trial and error of course you find out what works and what doesn't work what was popular what wasn't popular and that's very easy to find out the more you offer something a couple times and if you see you're only getting 10 people you know uh, booking that th that program then it's probably not um, going to be as popular as though and, and as popular as the ones that are getting 30 35 plus so then we we say okay let's maybe um, not do this or discontinue this one and try something different um, but basically what we did over the last few years is a couple of things I think what we're proud of doing is that um, for the longest time the museums before we had been established we, like I said I think earlier did not have a consistent way of working in certain aspects and one of them was definitely education so what you would have is a lot of um, educational um, programs but maybe at particular times of the year like when there was a biennial there was a lot of workshops and then it would be dead for months and then maybe there was a particular exhibition and you might have two or three wor workshops about that exhibition and then 
all the and then it would be dead again for another few months whether there were exhibitions or not it's just that's how it happened also a lot of those programs were only ever conducted in one language sometimes only arabic or sometimes only english so there was a lot of things we realized we needed to fix which is if you want people to keep coming back and enjoying the um, activities you're doing you have to have something consistent it's got to be weekly um, and it's got to be every month and it's got to be throughout the year you can't just have these gaps uh, throughout the year where you don't have anything going on which includes why we have now summer camps so even in the summer when our visitor numbers drop quite a lot obviously because people are abroad etc we still do um, we still cater to hundreds of children who come to our summer camps in our various museums um, but anyway without with that as well um, we also decided that besides consistency, we had to be able to offer things in Arabic and in English for everyone. We also realized that our museum specialists need to be trained in particular aspects, such as working with those individuals with any type of disability, such as hearing impairments or, um, or, or, or the blind or any kind of cognitive um, and physical disabilities. So. We have basically these sort of three main categories. We have uh, community programs for the, I mentioned before, for like 17 and plus. We have the family programs for six years old and plus, but we also still do programs for children under six, depending on, you know, how, if people write and say, I'd like to bring my child, but they're, they're, they're younger than six, is there something you, we can do for them? And we usually find a way to accommodate that. Um, and then we have the one that I mentioned, which is for different disabilities, we call it, programs for different disabilities and, and their families. And those happen every week, usually weekends. That was another thing. We have to figure out when is the best time to do these programs. Um, and that, take, that took a lot of time in figuring out. But one thing I'm very proud that our uh, education have done is that they spent um, months, almost a year, um, literally uh, going through every single textbook of every single subject in um, private and public schools. So everything from geography to history to Islamic studies to Arabic to English. And they specifically made notes on every page and how it related to our museums so that teachers would, l would begin to understand and have a better um, um, appreciation for what we have in our museums that didn't always seem so obvious. So that we'd have, for example, we'd write to an, a, a school and say, we'd love your kids to come to um, Beit Nabuda, for example, which is a, a heritage house of a, a pearl merchant, Abed Nabuda, who was very successful, has one of the largest heritage houses at the time, really beautiful, and has some really lovely architectural elements. They would say, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a geography teacher or I'm a, I'm a math teacher, actually. So this had nothing to do with my class. And we'd say, actually, no, it does, because we've looked at your curriculum. And the one where you're going to study about geometrical shapes and the one that you're going to study about this or that, we actually have wonderful geometric pa patterns in the rooms that people can use and and to study, stencil, do a workshop about it. Um, and understand patterns and Islamic patterns, etc. Um, you know, if there was something to do with science, we could find a way that we could talk about the science of um, how houses used to cool themselves before the AC was ever. How does the the wind tower work? I mean, that's that's science. It's understanding 
um, how how air comes through and how it moves and things like that. So we, we've tried to find not so obvious connections, but they're there. And that was very helpful to teachers. And of course, we did, we did many teacher day, um, sort of open days um, for them to come in, ask questions, uh, have, a, have a, uh, a good briefing about what to do. But the best thing we have really is that if you go online to our uh, website, chargingmuseums.ae, all our brochures are downloadable. The new one that's just coming out for the fall season will be up probably the next week or so. So you can see the variety of things we do. Some of the things that we cover, um, if just to give you an example, is like making incense, for example, how to make incense at the Heritage Museum. We have mosaic patterns, like for uh, in Islamic patterns, etc. Um, we have flower arranging, so that's uh, ikebana, I think they call it in Japanese, but. Um, and then we have guided tours specifically for those hearing impaired. Um, and then we have um, color dyeing fabrics and things like that. So there's all kinds of things that we do and all the programs are free. So again, uh, no cost involved. You just book or you have a look at the program and you first come first serve. And, um, and uh, they're very popular and they've become very popular.